This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arse Blog Arse Cast right here on arseblog.com. I hope you're well. I'm slightly still suffering a little bit from the illness I had last week, but nevertheless, I have battled through to bring you an Arsecast on New Year's Eve as we head into a new um, year. Is it a new decade? I can never tell or remember or care enough to find out whether the decades begin at zero or one. So it could be a new decade, or it could be just another year into a new decade, which started last year, which I didn't know anything about. So whatever. Anyway, um, yes, yeah, still a little bit sick. I can only sort of hear in one ear. Well, not that I can only hear in one ear, but one ear hears a lot better than the other ear. Normally, your two ears work both as well as each other. But now my ears are like feet. One of them is good, and one of them really isn't. And funnily enough... It's the exact opposite of my feet. My left ear is fine, and my right ear is all kind of a little bit blocked, and if I blow out through my nose, it goes like you're on a plane and all that kind of stuff. At least I hope it's my ears and not the the computer or the headphones. And then the balance down here, and if I check, no. no. Oh, yeah, no, it is. It's definitely my ears. Because my right foot is my good foot. My left foot is sort of my standing foot, uh, but it's the other way around with my ears. And I've been sort of battling this since last week. I hope you had a, a good Christmas day, wherever it was. We were out with the Mug Smasher, and he did all the driving on a very, very cold Christmas day. But I've been, you know, trying to get on top of this cold thing, this chest thing, and I've been coughing up some some really quite green things. And I had some cough medicine, which helped to a certain extent, but I figured I'd try a more natural way of, of getting better. Um... And what could be more natural than, let's say, grapes? Fermented over time into a delicious beverage. And, you know, water and hops and barley and sugar. The beer sense of things and whiskey and, and milk. Milk is a very good drink for you, especially when you have it with some vodka and Kahlua and ice in a glass in a white Russian. Which is my new favourite thing. And not even because I saw the Big Lebowski. It's just it's... The ultimate 20-second drink, isn't it? Vodka, milk, ice, drink, scrunch it around, and there you go. So you have it. And I have found a remarkable thing that over the course of time, as the week has progressed, I have become slightly better each day. And I put this down to the consumption of alcohol. So next time you're a bit ill, 
save yourself the money and the time and effort of going to the hospital or the doctor, simply drink regularly throughout the week. And you will find, now I'm not saying this is 100% guaranteed, because I don't want to get sued here or anything. Someone has said, well, I discovered this enormous tumor on my arse, and I decided to drink it away, and it didn't work. An arse blog told me to do that, so I'm suing him for $100 million for lack of arse tumor removal via alcohol. But for the most of you, I would imagine that whatever little sickness you might have, you could get rid of it by drinking on a regular basis throughout the week. You might not feel so good in the morning. First thing in the morning might be a little bit challenging getting out of bed. You might lie there going, oh, for fuck's sake, fuck them and their blog. Oh, no, I can't. No, I'm not getting out of bed. No, they can can wait. But then you get up and it's fine. And then by cocktail hour, sort of 11 a.m., you begin to feel slightly better. And now I'm hardly coughing up anything green at all. The evidence is there in front of you, is it not? It is. Anyway, uh, this particular arse cast, well, it's a New Year's Eve arse cast, and it comes after a relatively good week. I suppose we did the, the good thing on Monday by beating Chelsea, and then did the, the Arsenal thing on Wednesday night by chucking away a couple of points to 10-man Wigan. But this is Arsenal. None of us can be particularly shocked about what's happened because that is what we do. And we're kind of used to it now. But the Chelsea game on Monday was fantastic. I was going to go out and watch it with uh, the Mug Smasher and a few mates and, and didn't. And I was glad in the end because I stayed home and uh, drank a bottle of rum with Mrs. Bloggs. Of course, the two of us between us, we, we did that. And, and it was all very nice and celebratory and good fun and jumping up and down the sitting room and jumping up and down when the goals are scored and the cat who was sleeping, running off, scared out of his life at the high-pitched noise and me thundering about the sitting room. All very good. All very good. And the performance was excellent. And, and that thing we had with Chelsea is done and dusted. And then Wednesday and I don't know. As I said, I understood the changes and we had to make... A certain amount of changes because you do need to keep these guys. You've got to give them a game. It's all well and good saying the bench is very strong, but you have to let them play at some point. And let's face it, it was Wigan away. They should be capable of beating Wigan home or away. And especially when you're 2-1 up and they're down to 10 men, you should definitely be more than capable of doing that. Um, And I'm not even sure that playing the rest of them would have made that much of a difference. Because we are Arsenal and this is what we do. And we've done it. And there you go. So um, with me in a couple of moments just to talk about uh, pretty much everything that's gone on in the last week. And, and the state of play, a little halftime report, I suppose, uh, will be Amy Lawrence. Uh, but to take us there, here's Internet Joe. Oh, I'm Internet Joe. Here's me 22nd round up. Christmas Day. Uh. Chelsea at home. We're going to lose. We always lose. Oh, not playing badly. Doing okay. We could get something. Son, get in there. Says, get in there. Theo, the action man here, legend. Oh, shoot. They scored. We're going to get about four more. No, they are. No, they're going to win. We won. We knew we'd win. We're going to wait. This is going to be easy now after Chelsea. 1-0 down. No water. 2-1 up. Look at that. Ash Evans banner. Easy. Corner to Wigan. No. We are shoots. He's been through the mill this week, for sure. Internet Joe up and down and up and down, up and down. And 
that's his bipolar thing, by the way. And Arsenal didn't do him a great deal of good either. Anyway, we'll have more from him on next week's show. Now, with me to discuss all the bits and pieces going on, I'm delighted to welcome back to the Arsecast, Amy Lawrence. Festive greetings to you, Amy. Hello, everybody. Um, right, let's start with Wigan, because I want to get that kind of out of the way uh, a little bit first. Uh, th- the main issue I-, I think that people have had over the last uh, 24 hours, 48 hours since the game anyway, were the amount of changes that the manager made uh, from the game against Chelsea on Monday. What was your thought? Was it too many changes, or did he really have any choice? Um, because he's got to keep the, the, uh, the squad players fresh in a way and, and keep the first team players fit as well. I think, in a way, it was both. It was too many changes, and he had to keep the squad fresh. So it was sort of one of those nightmares where if he'd have got away with it, um, everybody says fantastic. But I think probably Arsene knew that he felt he had to do that, and I think he was looking at probably picking his best team for the for the Chelsea game, the Birmingham game, and um, uh, the Man City game, and figured if there was one he might get away with it would be Wigan who have a pretty bad record at the moment uh, you know in the relegation zone the, stro- the, the squad players ought to be strong enough to cope with a situation like a game like that um, so I think you know he'll be frustrated but should any be, anybody be surprised by what happened I don't think it was a question of the team he picked but it was a case of whether he picked the first 11 second 11 or whatever Arsenal being Arsenal, to concede a daft late goal is par for the course. So, I mean, it's happened so often this season and it is a, it's symbolic of kind of steady deterioration of the back four or back five. That uh, Would you be surprised? No, it doesn't matter, I think, who he picks. It would be uh, nice to think that their forward players are good enough to put a game to bed enough to compensate for the kind of disasters that have become so routine but so it's not entirely the defence's fault because you know there is that wastefulness aspect up front and it's completely the pattern that seems to follow all those games where Arsenal fans probably pick up the papers the next day and go oh god not again <laughs> where it's not just the concession of a ridiculous goal but also allied with the feeling that you think well if Arshavan had taken that chance to make it three or whatever, you know, the situation was in equivalent matches. So you have the chance to edge away. I mean, there are so many examples, missed penalties at Sunderland, opportunities to, to really say in a game, all right, we know we're not the best defensively, but, you know, here's a situation to to say there's not much point in to the opposition in, in keeping going because Arsenal can't kill games off. It's mm. extraordinary. Well, what do we make of the the, the, the comments that he made post-game about the, the lack of communication among the back four? And, and that's been picked up on quite a bit. I mean, do we read too much sometimes into the post-game comments because maybe he's talking about just one basic situation? But it is slightly worrying in the sense that he's talking about a lack of communication and a few weeks ago was talking about how uh, Skilachi was a leader and he was a talker on the pitch and very vocal, etc., etc. Um, 50% of the goals we've conceded this season have come from set pieces. So it does point to a, a fundamental weakness in the back four, as you say, regardless of who's playing. 
I think there's a bit of pot and kettle going on there. I mean, uh, I have been an enormous admirer and remain an enormous admirer of Arsene and his methods, but it strikes me as bizarre um, to the point of being so unfathomable when you're dealing with such an intelligent man that he basically takes 50% of football and throws it in the bin. He's not <laughs> interested in defending. And, you know, from what I understand, it's not really a part of the, the, the coaching and the training. And when they turn around and talk about lack of communication, there is a lack of communication about defending, and it stems from the training ground where they don't bother to communicate about defending <laughs> on a daily basis. You know, they why bother practicing defending at set pieces? I mean, hey, well, why bother when you just want to have these wonderful ideals of playing peaceful attacking football but it's just very strange and I think you pointed it out quite nicely when you talked about the the Koscielny and Squilacci defensive axis being about as uninspiring or as anything you've ever seen mm. um, as far as a, 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 you know Arsenal defending is concerned and yeah, he's done amazing, amazing, amazing things for this football club. Um, but when you look at how the quality of um, uh, ruggedness at the back has been eroded over the years, it's really amazing. Um, and I, I think it's difficult to look at this current defensive lineup and uh, feel as as kind of you know any kind of confidence really. And the team must feel that as well. I mean anybody who goes to a game I mean actually I thought it was incredible looking at the Chelsea match um, before it actually kind of got going and then you realised that, that you know they were suffering from similar problems which was very refreshing but um, the sort of the, the triangle at the back if you like of goalkeeper and two centre-halves Fabianski Giroud and um, Koscielny was incredibly inexperienced uh, to play in a kind of must-win game against a team um, who have typically caused such problems to Arsenal defensively, such as Chelsea. Um, I dare say, and I don't know if this is true, but I can't imagine they've ever even played together before as a th that three. Um, or it's very, very seldom anyway. Yeah. And you sort of feared the worst, and actually they, they came out with pretty much flying colours, which was great to see. But Overall, when you look at the defensive options, given that Vermaelen has been, you know, unavailable pretty much the whole season, it's a very strange situation to, to find yourself in a, in a position where offensively there's no reason why you can't go for a league title, but defensively there's no way this squad can win the league. We might we might come back to that. Just touch on that towards the end because I. I... I, I I think pretty much everybody shares that opinion that um, even from a balanced point of view, the team would be better if they were uh, better defenders or if they could defend better from an attacking point of view, you can do a lot more. But I just, I'll just i come back to that towards the end of this. But I want to just touch very quickly before we move on to Chelsea to Andre Arshavin. Um, it was easy to see why, from his performance against Wigan, why he didn't play against Chelsea. How do we tally the, the the sort of paucity of performance with the fact that he scored a goal and made a goal? Damn good question. <laughs> that's a, that's um, a tough one now. I've been really, thinking about it. it uh, he's such an enigmatic player. And what's frustrating about Ashman is that you don't have to rewind too much in your memory bank to 
think about how good he is, was, can be. Um, he has got so much ability, and yet he can be so maddening. Um, I, he, it's just difficult because the end product is there, and if the end product wasn't there, then there wouldn't be that much of an argument. But Arsene is able to sit there and point to the statistics, and the statistics are strong for him this season. Um, but it's all about the balance of the team, as you say, and in the the bigger games especially, the lack of cover for Clichy is so painful, and that was so obvious in the Chelsea game, I highlighted what a difference it made to have a player in front of Clichy that helps protect um, some of the kind of uh, switches off of concentration that, that he has. It's... Arsenal has really, by his laziness, made himself a player that's become peripheral, mm. which is very weird because he, sh- you know, he shouldn't be in that position, and he knows that. It'll be interesting to see how he how he deals with them, whether it sort of gives him a kick in the arse. It didn't appear to against Wigan from a from a from an effort point of view, but then you know scored one, made one. So, um... but what's amazing is when you think about the Arsenal that Arsenal bought, when you think about the player that. If anybody had seen him in that season at St. Petersburg before he joined, or in the Euros playing for Russia, work rate was not a problem. He actually um, married great effort with phenomenal ability Mm. at that point in his career. The fact that he's finding it difficult to, you know, pull his socks up now... um, it's difficult to understand, and, and it's sad in a way because, you know, here's a player who should be in his prime in terms of his age. When you compare him to, say, a Robert Pires mm. at the same kind of age, um, and Pires was a player who, in terms of his statistics, was always amazing. Um, and there was goals and assists from him consistently throughout his whole Arsenal career and and elsewhere as well, on the whole. Um and yet, there was, you know, he was never someone who coasted. Does and it... and you, know, you have to ask yourself why Arshavin is coasting through games. Mm. I mean, and maybe he thinks, well, my statistics are that good that, I, that it doesn't matter, I don't have to. But I just find it fundamentally weird when you think this is somebody's job uh, in the public eye doing what they do, um... They only have to go out once or maybe twice a week for ninety minutes and <laughs> and put in the maximum. Mm. Um, you'd like to think sometimes people put in the maximum in training as well, and that's what makes <laughs> it, you know ordinary players good and good yeah. players great. Um, but you just I don't, I don't know. I, I find it difficult to imagine that you that you just think oh, mm. I can't really I can't really be bothered. Does it does it point to a sort of a, an unhappiness at the club more than because I mean if he is capable of it or has been capable of it in the past and isn't either capable now or willing now is there a physical problem could it be physical could it or just not happy at Arsenal I don't know is it physical is it you know also you have to take a view that when players really really deeply believe that they're going to win something or going to do something. I think that that pushes them to find something extra. Mm. Um, And perhaps there is a, a slight... 
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Malays in some players, because they know probably deep down exactly what we said before, which is that this team could and should be a bit better than it is. But because the defence is such a problem probably won't be mm. and I think if you're a player you must is it, you know can you really find that extra 2-3% that you do find when you really think you're going to win something it's mm. a good if point you though. don't really believe in it mm. All right. Well, let's let's not wallow because we're in danger. <laughs> no. Of, <laughs> no, I know, but I mean, Sorry. we're going. We're, no, it's not. It's not your fault. We're going down that path. That's very easy mm. for fans to go down and for Arsenal fans to go down. And and perhaps uh, the uh, the Wigan result um, felt so bad, not just because of the fact that it was Wigan away and we were two one up against ten men and we defended poorly, but because it came after the Chelsea game. Right. And, and I mean, if, if you can say anything about this Arsenal team, what it's probably. Uh, uh, incredible at doing is giving you that hope and then snatching <laughs> it away from you. It's like a speciality. I mean, they get these opportunities to, you know, to be in a great position and then they don't quite deliver. Or they actually you know, convince you by doing something really brilliant and wonderful that it really is all going to come together one of these days and just needs that little shall I say craft to, 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 to you know to make all Arsenal's vision come true with this this team as well and then every time they <laughs> kick you in the bollocks you know we're gone down that road again Amy just come back <laughs> sorry sorry oh dear I'm sitting full of no no well I mean let, let's look at the positives from mm. the Chelsea from the Chelsea result because there was beyond the three points and I think you know if you looked at the two fixtures on paper you would have taken four points out of six um, mm-hmm. but from the from the performance point of view as we know I would have taken four points out of six <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think we all had that fear didn't we even at I mean three only one. at Arsenal can you be three and a half at home and never on turn around to each other and go is that enough yeah, we could do it another year. Yeah. <laughs> but what we did, for the most part, on, on Monday night, we did well. We'll ignore their goal. Um, and I suppose the the inclusion of a Walcott uh, ahead of uh, ahead of Arshavin was, was the main talking point. And it seemed to work well because he did force back Ashley Cole, who was a big threat uh, for them in the recent games. Chelsea are going through a bad time. We know Chelsea are going through a bad time, but still, um, there's a lot of encouragement to take from it. Absolutely, but I'd argue that equally significant was um, Giroud playing yes. uh, in the defence. And I, 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 as you pointed out today, it would be hard to expect him after such a long period out to have played four games in nine days or whatever it is. But I, I feel that he's been 
you know, he's he's desperate for a run. Uh, he needs that run, and he really couldn't have done any more mm. in the game against. And in the game against Chelsea, his performance was one that said, "Excuse me, but if Amarna's not around, I should be number one yeah. on the defensive team sheet." I thought it was, he was absolutely excellent, and as, apart from playing really well, he did seem to be organising a bit. And I didn't know that was something that was particularly in him because he's a very laid-back guy, um, extremely nice guy. But he showed a little bit of um, uh, intelligence, not just in his playing, but in the way you could see him trying to monitor the whole back four. And that's that kind of leadership thing that perhaps Arsenal was hinting at after the Wigan game. And wherever on earth it can be mined out of this back four, it needs to be found and, and nurtured. Um, so that was a real plus. I thought he was outstanding. The 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 talk, of course, was because uh, the talk was uh, before the game that we hadn't beaten Chelsea for so long. Do mm. you think that um, that they have sort of overcome maybe a little bit of a mental hurdle to believe that they can uh, do things in these games? Because the the performance, uh, the the contrast, I'd say, between the United performance and. And the Chelsea one, they couldn't have been more different because there was so much energy, so much drive about Arsenal. And um, I think maybe that was what was a little bit disappointing about uh, about Wigan as well, because you had guys coming into the team and you wanted to see them, you know, show, well, look here, I want a game and I want to play. Um, you're being given a chance and there wasn't necessarily the same energy there. Um, but it was uh, tremendously high tempo stuff from Arsenal, pressing Chelsea very high up the pitch and, and it paid off with, with some of the goals. In, in many ways, that's been exactly what Chelsea have done to Arsenal in mm. the last few years. I mean, they have been absolute experts at that kind of pressing game and, and really smothering the life out of the opposition, uh, not allowing them to get going. Um, so to be able to do that to Chelsea, I think really was a, felt like a massive monkey off the back. Um, and I'm sure that the players will be be able to take that into other games and it was becoming a, a a thing where I think they felt oh we can't beat the big teams and habits and, and uh, runs in football are very you know powerful um, and it can be difficult to crack them and so definitely that was a major major boost from the psychological point of view as well as just the three points and that's a game why uh, sorry 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 but to, you know the Wigan one coming so mm. quickly afterwards you just felt if they could have just snuck through somehow, anyhow, it didn't matter. Just, you know, get the points up there and go home and regroup that everybody would have been able to go, oh, OK, they're looking really tasty. And it would have it would have confirmed the belief, I think, that the Chelsea game had brought. Mm. Um, but in a way, it, it, I wouldn't say it's back to square one at all, but going up to Birmingham, there, you know, there might be a few more doubts and questions that well, it would have been lovely to have just had kind of in the bin, really. Well, I mean, especially as Birmingham last season was a place where we mm. conceded a, a last-minute equaliser. Mm. So well, Birmingham, you know, the and line. there's still, the, I think, the connotations of the Eduardo game, you know, that will be there in the players that were around for that, uh, um, for that game. They'll feel it probably most times they ever go to that ground because it was such a traumatic match. Um I don't think you ever kind of lose sort of turning up to somewhere where you you felt emotionally completely battered. Um, sure. That's kind of always with you in the same way that when you go to grounds where you've had amazing experiences, that, that I think tends to stay with you and give you a lift 
as well. Mm. All right. Well, let's, um, you know, Birmingham and, and Man City, we know they're two hugely important games and um, we, we won't look too much in detail at them uh, at this stage. But let's look. Um, uh, we're sort of halfway through the season. 19 games played. Do you see this Arsenal side uh, having improved a great deal on last season? We're right there or thereabouts when it comes to the uh, to the top of the table. We've lost five games. We haven't kept more than four clean sheets all season, so these defensive issues are there. Is there enough positivity or enough encouragement to suggest that maybe they can they can do things in the second half of the season? Look, you know, Man United and Chelsea have won the last few leagues. Have all been super strong in the second half of the season. So, you know, there's no denying that you have to you have to just be in position around this time and have that capacity to push in, push on. Um, whether this team's quite there yet, it's it, it, it's the usual thing, I think, which is nearly there. And definitely, I think there's been some improvements um, offensively in that, um, particularly Sam Nasri, who's just had a super super season so far. Mm. Uh, we we all know some of the qualities of the players around. Shamak has had a good start, although he looks completely dead at the moment. Um, there's goals all over this team. Walcott's. I think much improved compared to last season and seasons before, and gives something um, that really worries opposition defenders. You can see palpably that he might not be the finished article yet, uh, and he's still got some convincing of people to do, but definitely has made strides. Um, so there's, there's a lot of positive things there. Jack Wilshire coming in has been a great positive, and one of the things that it would be nice to see from him and. I think we're just waiting to see from him is a little bit more of of him expressing what he can do on a football pitch because he's clearly been playing that more defensive role but boy is there a lot more to come from him and uh, it's just a question of when really if he if he's feels ready enough um, or Arsene encourages him enough to, to add some of the gloss to his you know his great diligence so far then I think we'll see a real player who can give even more in the second half of the season um, if Marlon ever comes back then obviously it's going to make Arsenal considerably stronger and I mean uh, without wanting to kick a man when he's down I think that the fact that Almunia has sort of disappeared out the picture has helped although defence remains a worry uh, I do think it's slightly less worrying than mm. it might have been um, and he seems to have sort of you, you'd be surprised to see him playing again put it that way but I yeah. mean I, I would argue I would push for Chesney to be getting more of a more of a chance to really stake his claim I, I, I would like to see those two guys have a proper equal battle and see who comes out on top rather than Fabianski being the man in possession and Chesney will get chances if there's injuries or maybe in the Carling Cup mm. because for me I think the it's obvious who the better goalkeeper is, and I don't care how old he is, if he's the better goalkeeper. Um, and, you know, again, when you talk about that kind of leadership, I don't think that uh, Chesney is is going to worry about who he screams at or who he hits <laughs> on the way to getting rid of the ball, um, which would be a great asset in this team. Um, so, yeah, there's 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 lots of... There's lots of positives, and Juru being back, you know, I think also helps because although we 
like a lot of Arsenal players, you want to see him actually play 10 games in a row mm. <laughs> before you're ever convincing and sure. be fit enough. Um, but he provides something that the others lack in his in his height, and he's got a great calmness that that I think is going is, is going to make him a great player if he ever gets enough games under his belt. Uh, January, uh, very briefly, January transfer windows open. Do you expect Arsene to do any business, and should he do some business? Not necessarily, and yes. <laughs> All right, brief and to the point. I think we know where you're going to talk about anyway. So we've been over like, that. Like, uh, yeah, everybody it knows. Everybody knows what what needs to be done. Um, you know, anything that could help bring more solidity to the defence would be fantastic. And uh, you know, uh, somebody else to do songs position is imperative, and that's something that we've discussed for mm. probably eighteen months now. <laughs> so. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, we'll Let, uh, let's wait. Let's let's wait and see and be disappointed like usual. Okay. All right, Amy. <laughs> listen. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, very happy New Year to you. Same to you and, and everybody. Uh, we'll talk to you next year at some stage. Okay. Have fun. Bye bye. Thank you very much indeed to Amy. Uh, we've got a lot of football to play between this Arscast and the next Arscast. We'll look ahead to that after a little bit of news. Arsenal Football Club today announced a weekend of celebration after the club achieved its first clean sheet since the outbreak of World War One. Chairman Peter Hillwood said, Amazingly, all it took was for someone to tell the defence that it's not actually mandatory to let goals in. A bronze statue of Lukas Fabianski will be hewn and unveiled at the stadium at 3pm on Saturday. There'll be fizzy pop and ginger beer. Right, two big, big games coming up. Firstly, tomorrow, New Year's Day. At half past five, we go to Birmingham, and last season against Birmingham uh, was one of those games, wasn't it? I think we took the lead quite late through Samir Nasri, and then Emmanuel Almunia blooper, I think you could say, if you were being nice. Um, in the 90th minute, I think it was Kem Phillips who scored the goal, and that was sort of the beginning of the end of the title challenge in a way, because we were still there or thereabouts, and I think the week afterwards... Uh, we played Wolves, and, and was that the game where Bentner scored late? But then came Tottenham, and then came Wigan, that horrible, horrible game against Wigan, and that was sandwiched between all the Barcelona games, and oh, well, still. Anyway, unhappy memories at St. Andrews, and not least because of last season, but because of what's happened there in seasons past. Birmingham are a tough outfit. We saw they uh, got a draw against Manchester United during the week, so we're going to have to really pick things up and pick ourselves up from the disappointment of Wigan. I suspect the vast majority of the team that started against Chelsea will start against Birmingham. And then we've got a bit of a a gap between uh, that game and then Wednesday we play Manchester City at home, and that is a huge, huge game because they are right in the title mix this season and uh, we can't afford to drop any points to them. We can't really afford to drop any points at home uh, anymore as well. So we've got to really put ourselves uh, back on track over the next two games. The only injury news that we have is that Abu Dhabi, unsurprisingly, is going to find himself out for uh, a couple of weeks with a calf injury and I don't know, you just got to feel terribly sorry for him ever since that uh, that tackle from Dan Smith. He's never, ever been able to stay fit for any sustained period of time. And we can talk all we want about whether he puts in the effort or not, but his career has been truly, truly decimated by injury. 
And uh, I don't think it's unfair to suggest he would probably be a different player and a different kind of player if he wasn't playing all the time with injuries or coming back from injuries or playing in constant pain. Beyond that, nobody else back. uh, No sign of Vermaelen yet. No sign of Manuel Almunia. And um, I think, as Amy mentioned earlier on, I think it's slightly unlikely that we'll ever see uh, Almunia play for us again, barring some kind of injury um, over the next month to the two poles I don't see Almunia uh, playing again, and and perhaps he might be one of the players uh, involved in transfer business if we do any in January. Uh, There is talk of uh, another departure. No real talk of anybody coming in. Uh, If it were up to me, I think I'd try and find us a a centre-half because I don't know about Vermaelen, whether he's going to come back anytime soon, and there are the doubts that remain over the centre-halves that we have, but it goes back to uh, what we were talking about with Amy, Will he do business and should he do business? Probably not. And yes, so we'll we'll just have to wait and see. Anyway, we've got to concentrate on the games we have ahead of us. Um, they're big, big games, and we've got to come through this festive period because the fixtures after that, they come thick and fast after Man City. It's Leeds in the FA Cup. Then we've got Carling Cup in midweek uh, against Ipswich. We're away to West Ham. Then we've got Wigan at home. More from uh, Ipswich Town than there's the FA Cup fourth round if we get through against Leeds. So it's a busy, busy month, January. So we've got to get some momentum going and uh, we're going to have to get some momentum going as well as rotate the squad a little bit. So uh, changes are going to have to be made. Whether people like them or not, we're going to have to do that. So um, let's, uh, let's hope we can get ourselves back on track and put the disappointment of Wigan behind us because three points away at Birmingham would keep us right in things and three points against Manchester City would make the festive period 10 points out of 12 very very good indeed so let's hope we're sitting here next week and talking about how Arsenal have done all right really despite the odd bit of disappointment along the way so um that's about that so it just remains for me to wish you all a very very happy and peaceful and prosperous new year it's going to be 2011 next time we talk so until then take it easy have yourselves a great new year whatever way you're going to celebrate it have fun And uh, I'll talk to you on next year's Arscast. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hello, I am Andrea Shevin, and uh, just like to hmm, wish everybody Happy New Year, and uh, at this time we make hmm, like a promise, how do you call, a resolution uh, for next year, and uh, my resolution is to work hard on pitch and uh, do extra trainings and when I lose ball to to run and to get the ball back and also to provide extra cover for Clichy on left hand side and <laughs> Oh no I am sorry I can't uh, keep going <laughs> with joke I am going uh, not to do any of this <laughs> my resolution is uh, Eat more cake.
Have happy new year. I know I will. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.